0: The give him your best and nothing like the rest every test. you know he's the one yeah psalms 95 verses 1 through 7. oh come let us sing unto jehovah let us make a joyful noise of the rock of our salvation let us come before his presence with thanksgiving let us make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For Jehovah is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hands are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his and he made it. And his hands form the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Jehovah, our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand.
1: Yo, what up, y'all? I am coming to you live from the windy, windy, windy city. It is windy out here on the bridge, but we are doing our thing for this series. Uh, It has been a phenomenal series that we've been in entitled Foundations of the Faith. If you have missed any of it, you gotta go check it out. Check out our YouTube channel. In fact, do me a favor, go subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can stay up to date on all of our stuff. We're looking to build that community of subscribers on YouTube. But if this has been a five week series where we have been talking about the foundational elements of the faith. So whether you are a new Christian or you've been rocking out with the faith for a long time, this is meant to solidify our foundation or take us back and remind us of those foundational elements um, of the Christian faith. And so we are uh, ending it this week with a sermon about worship and generosity, worship and generosity. So I'm going to be uh, reading to you from Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, uh, and we will jump right on. On into it Romans uh, chapter 12 after a word of prayer father in Jesus name thank you so much for all that we have experienced so far in worship I pray in the name of Jesus that you will speak through me to these your people in a way that is real and relevant I pray that as I pour out you will pour back into me in Jesus name amen let's look at Romans chapter 12 uh, verse 1 from the new international version it says therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is your true and proper worship. So again, I wanna talk about worship and generosity today. Worship and generosity. I remember it just like it was yesterday. I was at this jewelry store called The Jewelry Exchange in Villa Park, Illinois, which is a suburb, like a Western suburb of Chicago. I had been online uh, late into the evenings, right? Like in in the weeks leading up to this, I had been online doing my research, learning about rings and diamonds and all of the things that one needs to know regarding these things. And so when I went into the jewelry exchange, I knew what I was looking for, right? I knew what type of ring I wanted to buy. I knew the cut of the diamond. And I also understood, or knew, what size carat uh, of diamond I could afford and what clarity I could afford. And so I went into the jewelry store hoping to find the most beautiful ring possible because I was gonna ask Carla to marry me. And so I picked out the ring I picked out this princess cut diamond and, and, and they, you know, they take out their little calculator and they started adding it all up and then they gave me the total or told me the total. And that total was more money than I had ever spent on a single thing besides a car in my entire life up until this point. But even though this was like the single most expensive thing that I had ever purchased in my life, it was okay. In retrospect, why was it okay? Why was it okay that this was the most expensive thing that I had ever bought in my life aside from a car? Why was it okay that I was about to spend what for a 25 year old was a lot of money on something that was itty bitty and so tiny? Why was it okay that I was about to spend what was for me at the time, like several months worth of rent payments? Why was it okay that I was about to spend this amount of money on this ring? I want to submit to you today that it is because of the worth of the person whom I was buying that ring for. You see, that ring was a sacrifice. And, and, and was meant to be a token stating how precious and how valuable Carla was to me. It couldn't be a cheap engagement ring. It could not be cheap. The reason why is because of what she was worth to me. I started off this sermon with this little illustration because I want you to understand what worship is. Worship is effectively about worth. In fact, if you look at the English uh, 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 origin of the word worship, it is worth-ship. It is effectively based on the value that one ascribes to a particular thing. And based on the value, something should be evoked in you because of the value of that particular thing. And so I want to submit to you today that the worship of God It's part of the duties of the Christian. It is effectively what is expected of us. It is what is required of us based on how one perceives God. It is literally attached to the worth that one ascribes to God. So before we go deep into talking about worship, let me ask you this question. How much is God worth to you? Because you see, worship is a disposition of the heart. It is a disposition of the hands. It is a disposition of the feet based on one's view of the worth of God. In short, worship is what one does because of who God is. Uh, In the Old Testament, we come face to face with this word worship for the first time Uh, in, in Genesis. I believe it's chapter 18 when Abraham says that he is going to go up to the mountain with Isaac to worship. It is also in Genesis where we uh, come face to face with this word worship for the first time in the Hebrew when it it is said that uh, Abraham meets these three strangers, right, that are effectively like this Old Testament theophany or this sighting of God and Abraham notices it as such and he bows down with his knees and his face to the ground and he worships that, that is the first place that we uh, come uh, encountering this word worship. And there in the Old Testament, uh, we come to understand it as a moment of sacrificing something to someone who is greater than you, but it is also a disposition of the body of bowing down, right, is how we come to it in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we find uh, worship in Matthew chapter two, verse two, right? For the first time in the New Testament, it, it is it is what is happening when uh, these wise men uh, have told Herod, Herod that the reason that they are here is because they are coming to do some very important work. They are looking for the one that has been born king of the Jews, and they, are, they have come because what they are looking forward to doing is bowing down and worshiping thing. And so in the Old Testament and New Testament, we get this idea that worship is uh, is about submission to someone greater. We get the idea in Old Testament and New Testament that worship is also this action, this bowing down on one's knees, bowing of one's face in submission based on the greatness of this other, um, this other being. Some other places that worship comes up in the New Testament It comes up in Luke 4 and 8 when Satan offers Jesus the whole world. And what does he ask him to do? The only thing he wants him to do is, watch this, bow down and worship him. Also in Matthew chapter 14, when the disciples worship Jesus after he and Peter had walked on water on the Sea of Galilee, there is worship. There is also this faking, this mocking of worship, this mocking of Jesus. Uh, After the soldiers beat Jesus, they bow down mockingly and they worship him uh, in Mark 15 and 19. And so this theme of worship is Old Testament. It is New Testament, this idea of worship. I want to submit to you uh, three things regarding worship today that as we consider what it is, what is worship, and it is paired with generosity, how I want to talk about it today. I I want to talk to you a bit about what it is and how it ought to animate or how it ought to activate itself in our lives. So the first way is that it ought to activate in our hearts, right? It ought to activate in our hearts. Based on your view of God, based on your understanding of the vastness. And if you uh, need some primers on the vastness of God and God's worthiness and, and God's expansiveness, God's creative power, God's powerfulness, if you need primers on these things, That is a great excuse to open up your Bible. Genesis to Revelation uh, is effectively a revelation of how vast, how wonderful, how awesome, how amazing our God is. And it is from there, right? These understandings that we can get from scriptures in addition to the testimony of how God has activated himself in our lives and the lives of other people that we know or whose testimonies we have had access to It is through these things that we gather our facts, our information about who God is. And as a result of this, right? As a result of this, our heart ought to take a certain disposition toward God based on our understanding of his worth. When I place a true value on God, when I really begin to ponder how great, how gracious, how merciful, how wonderful, how big God is, that ought to send my heart into this space of awe, into this space of wonder, and into the space of submission. And so worship ought to impact our hearts. It ought to impact our hearts. It ought to put us into perspective, right? By understanding and viewing how big God is, it ought to begin to make us put our own selves into context. We can be a bit naturally self-centered if we are to be honest. We can get into these places where we begin to feel that the entire world, right, evolves, revolves around us. But but in reality, when we step out of ourselves for a minute and begin to to imagine who God is and how great God is, and begin to center God in the world, we, we recognize that we are simply a part of his creation. Uh, we we are 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 a part of all of the wonderful things that God has created, and, and that ought to place us into a place of awe and wonder and submission. Not only should worship uh, display itself in in one's heart, but let me submit to you secondly that worship ought to display itself in one's hands. The question is, based on one's view of God, one's uh, assessment of the worth of God. What does it lead one to do? In Romans chapter 12, Paul says in view of God's mercy, there are some things that you should do, right? When you step back and not even look at the whole picture of God, effectively, Paul is saying, but just look at the mercy part of God. It ought to evoke something. Paul says that in view of God's mercy, here's some things that ought to be happening. He says, I, you ought to be offering your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper, watch this, use this word, worship. That there ought to be some sacrifice that is being made and this sacrifice ought to be tangible. Literally, he says, offer God your entire your entire self. I want to talk about the hands for a minute. What ought to happen to the hands as a result of viewing the true worth, the true value of God? I want to submit to you that the hands ought to be, ought to be evoked to generosity. You see, when one thinks about the mercy of God and the bigness of God and how gracious God has been to you, My my hands ought to desire to be generous to other people in the way that God has been generous and gracious to me, right? So when I see tent cities in our city, um, which is supposed to be one of the greatest cities in the world, that that ought to evoke some generosity um, out of me. When I know that there are members of my own family that that are in need or whose children are without some of the basic necessities. In view of how I view God and the value I place on God, if there is a member of his creation that is in need that ought to evoke me to generosity. If I value God, I worship God, I have a true worth and value placed on God, then when it comes to the things of God, like his church, I I, I ought not be frowning up my face or getting in my feelings When people talk about things like giving to the church or being generous or to tithing, right? This uh, idea that God has a claim on 10% of my money, the money I get up early in the morning to go make, the money that I grind and hustle and make, that God lays a claim on 10% of that, it's foolishness unless I have placed a proper uh, value or worth on God. If I place the proper value, proper worth on God, then it is it is proper, it is right that God can lay a claim on any and everything that I have. So it ought to animate the hands, right? It ought to impact your generosity. It ought to impact your giving. In fact, when I am giving, whether it is to a church, to a charity, what I am really giving to is I'm giving to God. I am giving to God and it is based on, it is based on worth. Let me share with you thirdly and finally, thirdly and finally, when we talk about worship, not only does it animate the heart, not only should it impact the hands, but let me impact, let me tell you thoroughly and finally that it should impact the feet as well. It ought to impact where I go, what I do when I get there because of the worth that I place on God. Let me tell you that, that there are certain places that I just simply will not go and certain things that I will not do, not just because I'm a preacher, But because I'm not present, omniscient God and the worth and the respect that I have for him. So, again, it should not just impact your heart. You should not just stay there. It, It ought to be very visible, the work that you place on God. It ought to impact your feet, but it ought to impact your hands, the places that you go, the places that you decide not to go. That ought to be impacted by the way that you worship God, the worth that you ascribe to God. Let me share with you this final illustration before I get out of your way. One of my neighbors that lives on my block, he's in the sports memorabilia business. Um, And and my my neighbor put me up on it because I, you know, I collected basketball cards when I was a kid. uh, And I did that and I used to trade and have a good time with basketball cards, but I haven't kept up with it as an adult. And apparently it has hypercharged to a whole nother level so so my neighbor, we have these conversations where he puts me up on like the values and the explosive values of memorabilia, right? where he'll tell me about like the LeBron rookie card and, and how much that's worth now. And like the special LeBron uh, rookie card that has like a piece of his jersey um, that he wore, one of his jerseys that he wore when he was a rookie that has a part of that as a part of the card. Um, and he'll tell me about all these things and like the value and, and the worth of them. And I think most impressive of it all is like what people decide to do with this stuff right? Like you don't, you don't take a, um, you don't take a LeBron James rookie card. You you don't take a Michael Jordan rookie card and, and just place it in a shoebox under the bed. You, you don't take a signed uh, LeBron James jersey from his rookie season and, and just hang it up in your closet. No, you, because of the value of it, you, you display it in a certain way. You treat it a certain way. You, you take these cards and you place them in, special cases so that they don't get impacted by the environment and and they don't change colors and they don't get wrinkles uh, or creases on the corners. You place them in special protective casing. You place them in safety deposit boxes or in vaults so that they can be kept safe. You, You take that jersey and you put it in a certain case and that goes up in your man cave or your woman cave or your she shed. You put that in a special place to be seen because of the value. I just want to say, if when it comes to the value of a LeBron James rookie card, or when it comes to the value of a Jordan rookie card, or when it comes to the value of a signed jersey, if people will go to these lengths to protect them, to honor them, to elevate them, to give them the kind of respect and adulation that they deserve, how much more the one who created the universe the one who breathed into us the breath of life, the one who created us and who sustains us, how much more does he deserve our worship based upon his value? Worship and generosity.